fire flickered among the shelters of Starbuck's K Company, and a man looked up as Starbuck approached. Sober? the man asked. Sergeant Truslow is awake, Starbuck declaimed. Do you never sleep, Truslow? I am perfectly sober. Sober as a preacher, in fact. I've known a few drunk preachers in my time, Sergeant Truslow said sourly. So what were you doing? Caterwauling? Caddowalling was the sergeant's disapproving word for womanizing. Starbuck pretended to consider the question as he settled beside the fire. Then he nodded. I was caddowalling, sergeant. Truslow grunted. He was a short, squat, hard-faced man who ruled K Company with a discipline born of pure fear, though the fear was not of Truslow's physical violence, but rather of his scorn. He was a man whose approval other men sought— Maybe because he seemed such a master of his own brutal world. In his time he had been a farmer, a horse thief, a soldier, a murderer, a father, and a husband. Now he was a widower, and for the second time in his life, a soldier, who brought to his trade a pure, uncomplicated hatred of Yankees, which made his friendship with Captain Nathaniel Starbuck all the more mysterious, for Starbuck was a Yankee. Starbuck came from Boston, second son of the Reverend Eliel Starbuck, who was a famous excoriator of the South, a fearsome opponent of slavery, and an impassioned preacher, whose printed sermons had shivered guilty consciences throughout the Christian world. Nathaniel Starbuck had been well on the path to his own ordination when a woman had tempted him from his studies at Yale College's seminary. The woman had abandoned him in Richmond, where, too scared to go home and face his father's terrible wrath, Starbuck had joined the army of the Confederate States instead. Was it the yellow-haired bitch? Truslow now asked. The one you met in the prayer meeting after worship service? She is not a bitch, Sergeant, Starbuck said with pained dignity. Did you never seek the solace of female company, Sergeant? you mean that I ever behave like a tomcat? Of course I did, but I got it out of my system before I grew a beard. Truslow paused, maybe thinking of his wife in her lonely grave in the high hills. So what happened to all your Bible reading? He now asked his officer, referring to the half-hearted attempts at piety that Starbuck still made from time to time. I am a backslider, sergeant. Starbuck said carefully. He was tall, thin, hardened by seasoned soldiering, and had long black hair that framed an angular, clean-shaven face. When the Legion marched into a new town or village, Truslow always noticed how the girls looked at Starbuck, just as his own daughter, Sally, had been drawn to the tall northerner with his grey eyes and quick grin. Keeping Starbuck from sin, the sergeant reflected, was like keeping a dog out of a butcher's shop. What time is Ravalli? Starbuck now asked. Any minute. Oh, sweet Jesus, Starbuck groaned. You should have come back earlier, Truslow said. He stopped, seeing that Starbuck had fallen asleep, mouth open, coffee spilt. Son of a bitch, Truslow growled, but with affection, for Starbuck, for all his preacher's son caterwauling, had proved himself a remarkable officer. He had made K Company into the best in the Legion, doing it by a mixture of unrelenting drill and imaginative training, 
Truslow, who knew soldiering, recognized that Starbuck had instinctive, natural gifts. He was a clever fighter, able to read an enemy's mind, and the men of K Company, boys mostly, seemed to recognize the quality. Starbuck, Truslow knew, was good. A beat of wings made Truslow look up to see the black, squat shape of an owl flit across the moon. Truslow supposed the bird had been hunting the open fields close to the town and was now returning to its roost in the thick stands of trees that grew above the river on Ball's Bluff. A bugler mishit his note, took a breath, and startled the night with his call. Starbuck jerked awake, swore because his spilt coffee had soaked his trouser leg, then groaned with tiredness. It was still deep night, but the Legion had to be up and doing, ready to march away from their quiet watch on the river and go to war. Was that a bugle? Lieutenant Wendell Holmes asked his pious sergeant. I can't say, sir. The sergeant was panting hard as he climbed Ball's Bluff. Colonel Lee, the 20th Massachusetts commanding officer, caught up with Holmes at the bluff summit. Almost sunrise, he said cheerfully. All well, Wendell? All's well, sir, except I'm hungry enough to eat a horse. We'll have breakfast in Leesburg, the colonel said enthusiastically. Ham, eggs, cornbread, and coffee. Some fresh southern butter. That'll be a treat. You keep going, Wendell. Lee turned back to Holmes. Down that path till you come to the left flank company of the 15th. Stop there and wait for me. Lieutenant Holmes led his company behind the crouching men of the 15th Massachusetts. He stopped at the moon-bright tree line. Before them now was a brief meadow that was dotted with the stark shadows of small bushes and locust trees, beyond which rose another dark stand of trees. It was about there, on the previous night, that the patrol had reported seeing an enemy encampment, and Holmes guessed that frightened men could easily have mistaken the pattern of moonlight and black shadow in the far woods for the shapes of tents. Forward! Colonel Devons of the 15th Massachusetts shouted the order, and his men moved out into the moon-whitened meadow. No one fired at them. No one challenged them. The South slept, while the North, unhindered, marched. The Faulkner Legion's fires had already died, though the Legion was in no great hurry to abandon its encampment. Major Thaddeus Bird, the regiment's commanding officer, wandered companionably among his men like an affable neighbor enjoying a morning stroll. My God, Starbuck! Bird stopped in amazement at the sight of K Company's captain. What happened to you? I just slept badly, sir. You'll look like the walking dead! Bird crowed with delight at the thought of Starbuck's discomfort. Pecker Bird was a tall, ragged, skeletal man who had been schoolmaster in the town of Faulkner Courthouse when Colonel Washington Faulkner, Faulkner County's grandest landowner and Byrd's brother-in-law, had established the Legion. Faulkner, wounded at Manassas, was now in Richmond, leaving Byrd to command the regiment. The schoolmaster had probably been the least soldierly man in all Faulkner County, if not in all Virginia, and had only been appointed a major to appease his sister and take care of the colonel's paperwork, Yet, perversely, the ragged schoolmaster had proved an effective and popular officer. The men liked him, maybe because they sensed his great sympathy for all that was most fallible in humankind. 
Now Bird touched Starbuck's elbow. A word, he suggested, drawing the younger man away from K Company. Have you made a decision, Nate? Bird asked. He was fond of Starbuck, and his voice reflected that affection. I'll stay with the regiment, sir, Starbuck said when his cigar was drawing. I hoped you'd say that, Bird said. But even so... And we don't know that the colonel really is taking over the legion, do we, sir? Starbuck asked. We know nothing, Bird said. Soldiers, like children, live in a natural state of willful ignorance. But it's a risk. You're taking the same risk, Starbuck said pointedly. Your sister is not married to the colonel, Bird answered, just as pointedly. Which makes you, Nate... A great deal more vulnerable than I. Allow me to remind you, Nate, you did this world the signal service of murdering the colonel's prospective son-in-law, and while heaven and all its angels rejoiced at your act, I doubt that Faulkner has forgiven you yet. No, sir, Starbuck said tonelessly. He did not like being reminded of Ethan Ridley's death. Starbuck had killed Ridley under the cover of battle's confusion, and he had told himself ever since that it had been an act of self-defense, yet he knew he had had murder in his heart when he pulled the trigger. Certainly Colonel Washington Faulkner would never forgive Starbuck. Yet I'd rather stay with the regiment, Starbuck now told Bird. He was a stranger in a strange land, a northerner fighting against the north, and the Faulkner Legion had become his new home. The Legion fed him, clothed him, and gave him intimate friends. It was also the place where he had discovered the job he did best.